Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Final episode on marriage and cultivating a God-honoring relationship. So after this episode is over, I want to go back to doing some more um, general topics, uh, not so much a series. Uh, it will be a little bit of a series, series-based. I want to address some of the heavy cultural issues that we've been dealing with and look at some of those things from a biblical perspective, uh, things such as race, gender, um, sexuality, and trying to hit home on some of those important truths from the Word of God so that we can have a, a good foundation in our own minds as we begin to address various people and conversations that are happening in our culture. So without further ado, let me get right into the lesson that I have prepared for you today. I want to begin with a quote. This is from the book Marriage is for Love by Richard L. Strauss, and he notes this, So widespread are the problems of sexual adjustment in marriage that many family counselors rank it as a principal cause for marital discord. And that leads to this question. If God says sex is good, then how come so many people say it is a problem in their marriage? That's a legitimate question. If God says sex is good, how come so many people say it is a problem in their marriage? In looking for answers, there are, are two things that we can point to. One would be a general problem, and that is the general problem of living in a sin-cursed world and under the natural consequences of sin. The creation is no longer very good as God had originally designed it to be. And that leads, uh, the general problem of sin leads to the second issue, the specific problem of sin, which are the specific issues of sin that you deal with in your own life, that your spouse deals with in uh, his or her life, and the specific sin issues that you bring into your marriage have consequences in not only your interpersonal relationship, but also in your physical relationship. I don't think that either this general cause or this specific cause should surprise us, um, but sometimes we can take it for granted, the effect and the power that sin has on our lives. And for that reason, I just want to point out some of the, the natural causes, um, the natural problems that occur in our relationship. These are challenges that I would say are brought on by external circumstances of life, um, just things that, things that happen to us that maybe are sometimes outside of our control but nonetheless have a great impact on our sexual relationship. Uh, the first would be work. Work is a demand upon your time. You must work, but you must also care for your family and your spouse. And it is unfortunate, but it's true that stress and conflict from work oftentimes spill over into the home. In addition to work, when you get home, you have chores and responsibilities that must be cared for, 
if you're going to have a household that runs in an orderly fashion. These things also take time and energy. Uh, you have to clean, you have to pay bills, you have to cook. I mean, you guys all know what types of chores and responsibilities you have to do. If you are married and you've been married long enough to have children, you might have some children. Uh, that goes without saying that they take a lot of time, energy away from the relationship of the husband and wife. And many people will note that their, their intimate lives decline to some degree as they uh, continue, as they start having children and then figure out how to continue to grow and develop their physical relationship as they're managing life with children. A fourth natural cause or external cause would be hobbies. If you have a hobby that you enjoy doing, these also take time, energy, and money. And sometimes your hobby can be more or less demanding, depending on what hobby it is. Note that hobbies are one of the things that are expendable. If you're going through this list, it's, you, can't, uh, you can't do away with work, you can't do away with chores and responsibilities, and you can't do away with your children, although they do, they do grow up and move out. But hobbies are, hobbies are something that you can do away with if you find yourself really pressed for time and money. A fifth thing is extended family obligations and pressures. Now, sometimes you may be able to do more or less about this, but our extended family obligations and pressures can have a negative impact upon the couple. It, it's something to consider. It's something to consider when you're saying, boy, our intimate life just isn't what it was. We're having some conflict. What is the source of that conflict? It could be that. It doesn't have to be, but it could be. A more, a more frequent source of intimacy challenges occurs when you just have conflicts with your spouse in general. All right, so you have an argument with your spouse and that sets the tone for the day, the tone for the night, and that tone is a very negative tone and that does not lead to intimacy. You could have a legitimate physical issue such as hormones or hormonal changes there could be um, issues due to various health conditions that people have. These things, all seven of them, can result in problems with physical intimacy. But they're overcomable, all right, to some degree or another. They're overcomable if you can identify them and, and begin to work on them. And you got to remember that you didn't get yourself into a hole overnight if that's where you happen to be. And you're not going to get yourself out of that overnight. So just begin by addressing the most important ones and work your way down to to what seems to be less important or maybe what you already have more under control. So these are all external causes, things that maybe you don't have as much control over. Now I want to talk about some of the reasons why we have problems in intimacy, but they are what I would call internal causes. All right, so this is your own hang-up, your own issue something that you can take direct control over to rectify. And these are challenges that are brought about because of your own incorrect thinking and your own action. So the first internal cause of poor intimacy would be bad or incorrect theology about sex, including a bunch of misconceptions, which I have covered in a previous episode. You could have poor training, 
about sex and intimacy from your parents or from your church leaders, your church family. Poor training. Um, we often adopt the attitudes of people who we respect. And if our church leaders or our parents um, do not have a biblical attitude towards intimacy, then we will often cultivate a non-biblical attitude or idea about intimacy. A third natural problem would be guilt from current or past sexual sins. If you're presently engaging in sexual sin, such as looking at pornography or uh, maybe even fornication, adultery, something like that, you are going to experience guilt because you are under condemnation for those sins. And that guilt that guilt will rob you of the, the intimacy that you desire to have in your marriage relationship. There are other personal sins, not sexual related, not sexual sins, but there are other personal sins that you might be committing on a regular basis that can also prevent good intimacy with your spouse. Let's say, for example, if you're a husband and you're prone to outbursts of anger and you have outbursts of anger towards your wife, that is not going to be something that encourages her to share her most vulnerable moments with you. Uh, that, is going to, that is going to result in, in difficulty for her and probably less enjoyment for you. And that's just one example. I mean, there might be a lot of examples from both sides, but that's just one. So personal sin can be a cause for poor intimacy. Sometimes um, our personal sin can be such that we withhold sex for some ulterior motive. That in and of itself is a sin. It's condemned in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 1 through 5. You cannot withhold sex to get something. You should not offer sex to get something. It's not a, a bartering tool. Okay, That is using sex for manipulation is not how God designed sex. That violates the word of God. So consider that carefully. If you are withholding sex or if your spouse is withholding sex from you, that is not right, okay, biblically speaking. So you can change that though. That's something that's in your power to change. And finally, we come to the last one, which is a lack of desire. Okay, this is this is something that's internal, a lack of desire. There could be many reasons why you don't have desire. It could be some combination of the causes, both internal and external, that I've talked about. It, there could be a number of things. But lack of desire is something that you can change through prayer, through meditation on the Word of God, and through considering the the purposes for intimacy that, again, I discussed in the previous episode. All right, so let's say that we have uh, some of these problems. We all, to some extent or another, are facing these issues in our marriage relationship. Whether you've got a great marriage or a poor marriage or you're somewhere in between, there are 13 causes for problems in intimacy that I just listed, either external or internal, and we will all face those at one time or another. So how do you how do you go about getting past those things? All right? How do you get past those things to have a good and enjoyable 
intimate relationship with your spouse? The answer to this question, I believe, begins with a shift in our mindset and our attitude about sex. As Christians, we tend to think about sanctification only in terms of like moral virtues, okay? But intimacy is not something that really comes up in the discussion of sanctification. Why should my intimate life become sanctified? You know, we don't expect improvement in our intimate relationships, and therefore we don't get improvement. We don't think, we just think that that's the way it is, and and we're stuck with that. But you would never say that about, let's say, one of the other fruits of the Spirit, like love. Like, well, this is as loving as I'm ever going to get. I guess I'm okay with that. No, we would not accept that when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit as love. But when God said, let the two, let two become one, there were some important purposes for that. And if we are struggling to have that union, that oneness, that one flesh relationship, we need to improve that. That is part of the sanctification process for believers. And so we don't expect improvement in the area of intimacy because we don't think about it. We don't hold ourselves accountable to it. We don't consider it to be something that needs improvement. Like it, it's really far down on the list. Like, well, it might happen, but it might not happen. You know, one of the greatest blessings of intimacy is not just the physical pleasure. That's, that's kind of like a side blessing, even though that's what the focus is on. The greatest blessing of intimacy is the spiritual oneness that is developed through that relationship. And, and challenges that you have as a married couple are easier to overcome if you can be of one spirit and one mind. And intimacy helps in that area. I don't know how to explain that totally, but I have discerned that to be true from my study of God's word. And so we, we need to consider as believers, like if my, my re- intimate relationship is not going well, then I need to work on that as an area of sanctification. So let me talk then about how to actually improve and create better intimacy in your relationship. How do we do this? Well, first, we ought to improve our general attitude. Sex is not an afterthought or a bonus. It's not like uh, some special dessert or special treat that you only get once every few months. No, the sexual relationship ought to be a fulfilling relationship that happens frequently in marriage so that you can cultivate that one that sense of oneness and that one flesh relationship you have to have an attitude that sex is not just a an afterthought sex is a priority and you need to think of it as a priority you also need to think about sex as something that is worth your energy and your time to improve. All right, we all have various things in our lives 
that we think are worth improving. You know, if you're an athlete, let's say you're a runner, you're like, oh, I'm always trying to improve my mile time. Maybe you're a cook. I'm trying to improve my apple pie. All right. So we all are trying to make incremental improvements in various parts of our lives. And you have to believe that sex is the same thing, that you should be making incremental improvements in your sexual relationship. That's good and profitable. Thirdly, I think that you need to uh, approach sex with a Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 mindset. Not looking out for your own interest, but looking out for the interest of your spouse. Have you thought about this in your sex life? Uh, husbands especially, have you thought about what can I give to my wife through this time or during this time rather than what am I getting from myself? That is a big shift in mindset for a lot of men because they look, they look to sex as what can I get from me? How am I going to be fulfilled? Rather, if you're going to approach it from a biblical perspective with a biblical attitude, you're going to say, what can I do for my wife? How can I fulfill her needs? How can I postpone my pleasure in order to achieve her pleasure? within the framework of this general attitude. I want to offer up to husbands some specific areas of improvement and also to wives some specific areas of improvement so that together you can, with your spouse, start working on individually things that you need to do, but also together as a couple what you could do that would help enhance your intimate relationship. So men... This is a, a big thing for us because, you know, we look forward to sex. We, we kind of idolize sex. We think about sex uh, frequently, probably much more frequently than our wives do. And so if we want to improve our sex lives, we need to begin at step one by realizing that sex begins outside of the bedroom. All right, for your wife, sex does not begin when you guys crawl into bed. For her, it begins sometime outside of the bedroom. You know, women are sexual beings. God created them to be that way. But what helps them get turned on and ready for intimacy is a lot different than what helps you get turned on and ready for intimacy. I would say that the way you treat your wife throughout the day, from the time you wake up in the morning to the moment that you're ready to get in bed together, that has a greater impact on how your sexual encounter will go than any of your skills in the bedroom. Okay, women have been designed by God to create emotional connections, and they're much stronger than, than our emotional connections. I, maybe they're not stronger. Different is probably the best way. They're different than our emotional connections. She wants to have a good emotional connection with you prior to intimacy. Now, this doesn't always happen. Again, this is ideal, not always the reality. But men, have you been kind with your words? Have you provided reassurance of your love? Have you sought to care for her in any way outside of intimacy? Have you given her a hug? Did you rub her shoulders? Did you do anything that would show her that you care about her outside of just that few moments in the bedroom? That's an important thing for women. 
you need to make that emotional connection. Sex begins outside of the bedroom. When it comes to living life together, are you helping with the children? Are you helping with chores? Are you helping with other things around the house? Um, If you're just coming home from work, resting up after you eat dinner, and she's working like crazy to deal with the kids and clean the kitchen and clean the house and get things picked up and get things ready for the next day, and you've been resting, by the time you're ready to go to bed and she's ready to go to bed, she's wiped out and you have uh, a lot of energy and then you're disappointed. You know, you're really bummed. Make sure that you're helping out around the house. Make sure that you're helping out and doing what you can to ease her burden so that she has the energy to devote in the bedroom. All right. So that's the first area that we can improve upon men. Secondly, we can seek to serve our wives in the bedroom. I already mentioned this a little bit. I'm just going to go, I'm going to say it again. Men, you ought to seek to put your wife's interests and your wife's pleasure ahead of your own. We need to learn to delay our gratification by serving our wives. What helps her to get ready? Is it a massage? Is it a full body massage? Is it a, is it a bath? Who knows? I don't know. You and your wife have that conversation. But figure out what helps her get ready, what helps her get in the mood, and devote the time necessary to that. You need to communicate with your wife during sex. Sometimes it's appropriate to have good and deep conversations during the massage phase. Maybe there's something on your wife's mind that she's been waiting to tell you, and this is the first opportunity that she's had to really talk to you. And if you shut her down and say, no, we're not talking about that right now. We're focused on intimacy. Well, you know what? You may have made that external statement, but internally, she's going to be thinking about that. So satisfy her need for conversation if you need to. Satisfy whatever needs she has. Delay your own gratification so that you can seek to serve your wife. Next, men, what we can do to help cultivate intimacy in the bedroom is be pure in our thinking. Men, lust or looking at pornography will hamper your ability to connect with your wife, especially if she catches you, especially if she sees that you are looking at these other women Uh, that is going to devastate her self-confidence. It's going to make her feel like she's insignificant and not worth a lot. So men, pornography is very sinful. Jesus also said, let's just put pornography aside. That's, That's blatantly sinful. But putting pornography aside, there are ways that men can lust after other women that don't involve pornography. You need to not fantasize and admire the bodies of other women. This is what Jesus calls lusting after them in your heart. And men, if you are impure, that is one way to shut down genuine, good intimacy in the bedroom. Men, don't think that you're going to uh, convince your wife to do whatever you saw on the internet. I don't know that that's healthy not good. That's not the way that treats her with value. That treats her like an object. 
like you are just coming to get something. That's in violation of everything that we've talked about, all these principles. So men, here's a summary of how you can improve. This is you. You're working on yourself. This is how you can improve. Realize that sex begins outside of the bedroom. Seek to serve your wife inside the bedroom and be pure. That's it. You work on those areas, I think that you will see a change in your intimate life. Now, ladies, you have things that you can improve as well. I just kind of got done mentioning that you often have a lot of things going on in your mind. And I think one of the things that women do is they have so many things going on in their mind, they need to learn to focus on what's the task in front of them. So if you are going to improve your intimate relationship, you should start by making your hubby your focus when you go to the bedroom. Make hubby your focus. Put all that needs to happen for tomorrow out of your mind. Put all that happened today out of your mind. If you're able to do that, try to focus on your husband. All right. You did not become one flesh with a to-do list. Okay. You are one flesh with the man who God gave you to marry. And so work to make your husband a primary focus of your thought life, especially when you're in the bedroom. You need to figure out how you can shut out the noise of life and concentrate on the events at hand. And sometimes this takes time. Sometimes it requires a conversation. And if your husband's practicing the things he's supposed to practice, he'll let you have that conversation. You guys can lay under the covers together and have that conversation. And you can get that out of your mind. He can listen to you. Then you can move to uh, other matters of intimacy. All right. A second area where you can improve, ladies, is to be mindful of your hubby's sexual desires. God has created men to be stimulated and turned on very differently than women. I think, I think most women know this. I don't know that they like are conscientious of it all the time, but they know this. God created your husband to be turned on by visuals. This is why it's important for you to do what you can to be visually attractive to him. It doesn't mean that you have to look like a a swimsuit model by any stretch of the imagination. But what it does mean is that, you know, if your husband maybe has a preference of how you wear your hair, maybe doing some makeup, maybe do those things, all right? I think that unbelieving women know this. They know that men are turned on by visuals. That's why there's so many like Instagram models and that's why people are walking around in bikinis. That's why there's all kinds of major plastic surgery industry uh, to help people look good. Uh, Women wanna look good for men so they can get attention. Ladies, just because you're married doesn't mean your husband doesn't want to pay attention to you. He does want to pay attention to you. Give him something to pay attention to. All right? Do something that is visually attractive to him because two things. Number one, you know that it will help him. So it's selfless. You are appealing to his interest. And number two, you will appreciate the feedback that you get from him. You will appreciate it when... His eyes are looking you up and down and when his hands are touching you all over and he's excited about you. All right, so recognize that God created your husband to be turned on by visuals and be mindful of that. Related to this, related to this is accepting yourself 
or accepting the compliments that your husband pays to you about your body and your looks. Again, you don't have to be a swimsuit model. He's not expecting you to be a swimsuit model, or he ought not to be expecting that. But what he is expecting is that you are his. He is going to delight in you. He is going to talk about how he delights in you. And so when he gives you a compliment about your looks, say thank you. Don't criticize his compliments. Don't minimize his compliments. Don't say, well, you're just saying that. No, when he compliments you, accept that with gratitude. Say thank you and appreciate the fact that he wants to look at you and not at other women. Finally, I think that you ought to be very mindful of weaponizing sex. This is something that women do probably more than men. Although, you know, I I don't have a ton of experience with this, but from what I can gather based on my own reading and research, women tend to weaponize sex more than men. You could be withholding sex to punish your husband for something that he did to you. You could be withholding sex to manipulate your husband to get something that you want. You could be withholding sex for some other reason that I don't know about, but God knows about. Any weaponizing of sex is sinful, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. You can't do that. You have, to, you have to allow your husband to have sex with you. You have to invite him, encourage him to have sex with you. Uh, it may not always be pleasant, but there is a biblical purpose in that. And you know what? If you are at the point in your marriage where you are weaponizing sex, there are probably a lot of other things that need to be worked on as well. Okay, so you should be going back and listening to some of these other episodes on marriage and saying, okay, here's some other areas that really I need to fix or we need to fix in our marriage so that I don't feel like I have to use sex as a weapon to get what I want or to manipulate him in some way, shape, or form. So be, be mindful of that. All right. Well, I think that is a, a pretty thorough introduction on how to build better intimacy with your spouse. I hope that you have found some things in there encouraging. I hope that you have been like, oh, yeah, I see how I'm doing that, and maybe I should stop. Or I see what these external factors are. Maybe I need to work on being more disciplined in that area. I would encourage you. Intimacy is an important part of your marriage relationship, but it's like the capstone. It's like the gem. You know, you want it to be really good. And if you're struggling with intimacy, it's probably because you're struggling in communication. You're probably struggling with headship and submission. You're probably struggling with finances. There's probably some other area that you're also struggling with. So I would encourage you, go back, review some of those episodes talk about these things, pray about them, think about them with your spouse. If if you continue to struggle, I would encourage you and your spouse to go talk to your pastor or maybe go talk to a, a couple whom you trust, who you think is going to give you godly advice. This life that we have, the marriage that we get to enjoy is so precious. The Bible talks about only having the opportunity to marry here on earth for these few short days. There won't be any marriage in heaven. Uh, Well, I should say, 
the only marriage in heaven will be the marriage of the church, the bride to Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. But there's not going to be marriage in the way that we think of it here on earth in heaven. And so don't allow your marriage to just be blah. You need to do your best to improve your marriage because that is honoring and glorifying to God. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I pray that this will be helpful to you. May God bless you as you seek to follow his word.